Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and today I am really delighted to welcome Brandon Fogg, and he is here to share his truly incredible entrepreneurial journey, which started from free lunch program to connecting with seven, eight, and nine-figure entrepreneurs beginning at age 16. Now, as a sixth grader, Brandon hated the fact that he was on the free lunch program, mostly because he didn't want his friends to know that his family struggled financially. None of us do. So 15 years later, he considers that experience to be one of the best things that ever happened to him. And it was because of growing up on the free lunch program and his awesome parents that he learned about the power of connection. And despite that kind of wonky or, well, it's not a bad beginning. It's a little embarrassing beginning. Listen, my mom made all my clothes. She bought a bolt of material and dressed all of us, boys and girls, in the same stuff. We hated it. I get this. So despite the fact that he grew up in the free lunch program, he became a published author, traveled to 23 countries with his wife, ran the marketing operations for a seven-figure online education company with 250,000 students or more, was featured on TV and launched his podcast to a top 2% global ranking in less than a year. And I was just telling Brandon in the green room, it took me 13 years to get to 2.5%. I am so impressed. And all of this by the age of 25. So his podcast, and go find it, Seven Figure Millennials is all about Brandon and his audience embarking on a journey to prioritize, big word, listen to it, write it down, prioritize their happiness, health, and relationships while making their entrepreneurial dreams a reality. Brandon, welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm excited. Can you tell? I'm just kind of bouncing up and down in my seat. <laughs> Denise, thank you so much for having me. I know we connected before this, and you're such an incredible human, so it's, it's an honor to get to spend some time with you today. Well, thank you. And listen, I've been listening to your podcast. And honestly, and like like I was telling you in the green room, we're going to talk about how you did this. It's so important. Podcasting is a huge way to connect with people. Listen, I am a card-carrying introvert. You're not going to meet me out and about anywhere. You're just not. But over the years, I have gotten to meet and connect with and exchange Christmas cards with so many amazing people. And now you're you're in my ranks. So before I get you know too effusive here, tell people about you, and then we can. I've got questions. I've got all kinds yeah. of questions. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, I think you covered it in in the bio. So I, I listened to that, and it's like, wow. <laughs> thank you. So thank you for 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 reading all that. But yeah, like like the bio says, I I grew up with the world's most incredible parents, but didn't always have the financial resources. And it was because I have incredible parents and because I went to a relatively wealthy school district, despite the fact that like that I was one of the few kids on the free lunch program. I think it was the fact that I saw my friends having more than me and the combination of my incredible parents that really taught me about leveraging your resourcefulness instead of having resources necessarily at your fingertips. So, so I mean, I, I, I mean, tell I, that story I, I, about that free lunch program, but, but yeah, that's, that's definitely where I got my start. And um, I don't know where specifically you want me to go from there if you want me to tell about what I'm doing right now, but I'm an open book. So <laughs> you just tell me where you want me to start. Honestly, whatever you want to talk about. And one of the things that, that I really love about your podcast is that you get to interview people like New York Times bestselling authors, main stage TED speakers, and we mentioned the seven, eight, nine figure entrepreneurs. Air Force, an occasional Hollywood legend, I still don't know who that was, a decorated <laughs> Air Force pilot, an Olympian, and this is the one that fascinates me, a drug dealer and convict turned Harvard fellow, oh, or yeah. Shark Tank. Let's, if you don't mind, let's talk about some of those, because listen, these are the stories that people want to hear. They want to connect with you. They want to connect with, we, we all have something to share. And we just yeah. need to figure out what our sweet spot is instead of going, 
I don't know if I want to do that. Oh, I don't think I can do that. Oh, get yeah. over yourself. Just get well, over me, yourself. Yeah. So let me let me tell a story that I think will be helpful before I kind of explain how I've been able to connect with some of these people. So like I said, I grew up on the free lunch program, and I want to tell the story about my first ever mentor, Brenda Campbell, that opened my eyes to the power of connection. So here I was, this kid that wanted to have entrepreneurial success, didn't have any idea where to start. And the, my first ever start was there was this club in high school called DECA, and they allowed you to compete with a entrepreneurship business plan. And so I ended up coming up with this business plan. And Denise, you're going to laugh at the name. I think it's hilarious. It was called the Sizzlin' Ninja. <laughs> it was a food truck. Um, and if I were to own a restaurant, I'd be like a fifth generation restaurant owner. So that was like the only thing my 16 year old brain could come up with was this idea to come up with a business plan for a food truck. And so I practiced my presentation over and over and over again. I, I deliver it at the state competition. And then I'm sitting in the auditorium and there's that moment where they start announcing people and they announce third place then second place. And then there's that moment where you don't know if you, if you just, just, if you just sucked and you weren't even, <laughs> you weren't even on the podium or if you took place the first place and you won it all. And they announced my name and that was just incredible. And it was the first time I kind of like, Oh my gosh, maybe I, I have a little bit of something on this entrepreneurial thing. And so the next day I'm, I'm super excited. I go to school and I talk to my advisor and she's talking to all the people that get to compete at this, uh, that, that qualified to compete at the international competition because I took first place in state. I got to go to the next level. And so I'm super excited. Then she slides this piece of paper across the desk that has all the details for the trip. And I look to the bottom of the page and it shows the trip cost. It was like a thousand dollars and 40 cents. And my heart just stopped. I'm like, I don't know how I can afford that. I, I mean, like, sure I qualify, but like, I, like, like I can't just have my parents write a check for me for that. So how do I figure it out? So that's when my dad came up with the idea to introduce me to Brenda, like I alluded to, my first ever mentor. And uh, she was a former, she is the, the, the CEO and founder of, or, or the, the president of a nonprofit organization. And so my dad's like, well, she knows how to fundraise. Why, doesn't, why don't you see if she can show, show you how to fundraise? And so she took me under her wing and said, I'm going to show you how to connect with some high-level people. And so this is 16 years, like 16 or 17 years old. I barely got my driver's license. And Brenda, I don't know what she saw in me, but she opens the doors to her connections. And this is the piece of advice that she gave me that just changed everything. She said, Brandon, if you ask for advice, if you, sorry, if you ask for money, you get advice. If you ask for advice, you get money. I'm like, that's interesting, but I don't really know quite what that means. And so then she uh, goes and introduces me to these high-level people, and she's like, this is what I want you to do. I want you to give your business plan pitch to them, ask them for feedback on your business plan, and then once they provided you feedback, ask if they'd be willing to support you on your trip to go to this national competition. And so I did that, and Tom ends up giving me a check for $100, and then Dan gives me a check for $100. And it, sure enough, I'm two weeks before this trip, and I'm $500 short. And Brenda says to me, I have one person that I forgot to introduce you to, and his name is Kevin Kowalki. And so he's this local guy that's pretty successful entrepreneur, one of the bigger ones that she'd introduced me to. And I sit across from Kevin, I give him my pitch, and then he says to me at the end, Brandon, how much do you have left to pay for this trip? And I'm like, I have two weeks left, I'm $500 short. Um, and, and he kind of just smiles and pulls out his checkbook and writes, writes something on the check. And I'm not wanting to be rude, so I don't want to stare. But then he, he puts an envelope, gives me a handshake, and then I walk out the door. And of course, the first thing I do is I rip open that checkbook uh, or that check, and I found out that he wrote me a check for $500. And that's when I knew I was going to go to this international competition. And so that whole experience of getting to go to this national competition, I didn't place or anything, but learning the lessons that Brenda taught me about how to connect with high-level people was the most valuable thing that I ever learned. And so I took those skill sets and was able to apply it to connecting with high-level people, leveraging those skill sets that Brenda gave me, which goes into some of my ability of uh, connecting with these high-level people that you alluded to before. So, but I've been talking for a while and sharing that story, so I'll, I'll shut up for a second and <laughs> you can tell me where you want to go, me to go from here, Denise. No, no, don't shut up. What I would like for you to do is repeat what you started that with when you asked for advice. Yeah. Because that's, that's, it seems a little convoluted until you go, oh, I yeah. get yeah. it. When you ask for money, you get advice. But when you ask for advice, you get money. And I think this alludes to something that I call the IKEA effect. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, Denise, but there was this study that showed how people value IKEA. I might not get all the details of the study correct, but the, the, the punchline was essentially people value IKEA furniture more than other furniture. I'll just pause for a second. Denise, do you happen to know why that, that, that happens to be the case? 
I don't. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think I've ever seen a piece of IKEA furniture. I've heard of it. Everybody seems to love it, but I don't have a clue. <laughs> so the reason why is because you have to build the IKEA furniture. So, oh. so and, and 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 so it come that's why it's a lot cheaper is like it comes in this like box and you have to go through these instructions and curse at it and have the screws in the wrong place but eventually you you assemble your furniture. And so it's the fact that people have to invest in the furniture that makes it a little bit more exciting. This is also why build a bear can charge five bajillion dollars for a stuffed bear <laughs> because the kids get to pump the stuffing in it. They get to put the heart in it. It's why people invest in these experiences. So, so the idea behind the IKEA effect is that people value what they invest in, right? So when you ask for money and you get advice, if you ask for advice, you get money. I think part of what's so brilliant behind that is that when you, and we, this kind of alludes to podcasting too, it's like when you get a chance to ask people for advice and, and really value the contributions that they made in your life. It's kind of a weird way of saying it, but they're investing you just like you would invest in that piece of Ikea furniture. And if you take the time to show how grateful you are and how it impacted your life, people want to contribute more. And so I always come from a, a, a spot of just being really grateful for it, but I just found that to be a kind of a, a funny little quirk about humanity, which is just amazing that, um, just the more that you express your gratitude, the more that you express your appreciation, and the more that you implement what people show you, the more they're, they're excited to continue supporting you on your journey. Absolutely true. And do you know what I have found out over time? Just ask. Just mm. ask. A lot of people will say, oh, Denise, I don't want to bother you. I know you're just so busy. Just ask me. I am happy to help you. Here's the thing that I have learned over many years about entrepreneurs, most of us, there's maybe 1% that are just not going to do anything for you. I don't really consider them entrepreneurs. They may have a big name, but there's something about them that's, eh. but 99% of entrepreneurs are going to take the time to do what they can to help you without mm-hmm. fail. That's what we do. We want to, you can call it servant leadership. You can call it whatever you want, but it's what we do. You know, people help us, we help each other, we help other people. It's just, it's this perfect circle. Yeah. I, it's so funny that you say that because um, just recently on my podcast, I recorded the Mother's Day episode. So I decided to do an episode about the top uh, seven things that I learned from my mom that I'm grateful for. And I haven't done it yet, but the Father's Day episode, I have to record a little bit soon. But this is a lesson I learned from my dad, exactly what you said, just ask. It is the simplest thing, but I, I think it was the fact that my dad taught me this at a very early age that made an impact for me on me. It's like he told me at a very early age, the worst thing that someone can say is no. <laughs> and if you can, if you can kind of get over that, if like you can get over the fact is like, let's say you're sending an email to someone, the, 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 the several outcomes that can happen are one, they don't respond two they say no, or three, they say yes. <laughs> and right. so if, you can get, if you can get over the fact that a, they might not respond, or B, they might say no, but you have all this potential upside, why wouldn't you just ask exactly like you just said? Well, and if they're not responding, that is a no, so give it up. Don't nag. Years ago, I don't know if you know who Larry Wingett is. He's known as the Pitbull of Personal Development, and he's written six New York Times bestsellers. He doesn't have any filters, and neither do I, so we have a great time when we're on the podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Years ago, I was, when I first started this, and, you know, there weren't the courses or the training. There was no advice to be had. You know, I had to do it on my own and use my own common sense and fall on my butt every once in a while. And I could not find guests. And I had committed to myself that I was going to put out a podcast every week. And that was becoming really difficult and embarrassing because, you know, I was breaking my own you know, my own rules. So I sent a note on Facebook to Larry Wingett because I like him. I've read his books. I hadn't, you know, at the time he didn't have that many, but he had had a a little show on AM. I don't know. I don't watch TV, but it was a good little show about debt and getting out of debt. And I thought, what the heck? All he can do is like you said, tell me no or ignore me. So I sent him a note on Facebook messenger and I told him who I was, you know, that I really did appreciate his books and his old TV show and that I had interviewed his good friend and, you know, also another speaker, Bob Berg. And yeah. Yeah. And I asked, you know, would you be willing to come onto my podcast? And I walked 
out of here. And I went to my refrigerator and I stuck my whole body in the refrigerator. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of those, you don't know why you're there, but you go blank. I call it instant meditation. And I just let it go. And I came back in here probably half an hour later and there was a note that said, sure, I'd love to. (gasps) Just ask. Just ask. Yeah. That's beautiful. And uh, that that's, when I know those first, it's like you just need a little bit of momentum, I found. It was exactly. like Brenda gave, Brenda gave me that little bit of momentum at 16, and then I had the confidence to kind of start asking a little bit more. And I, lots of times when I give these kinds of talks or I give a presentation, people are like, how do you, how do you like ma- manage the fact that these people are so successful? Like what's going on in your head? And it's just like at the end of the day, all these people are human. <laughs> and so once you can kind of get over the fact that at the end of the day, we just want to connect with another human heart to heart and have great conversations. That's that it, it makes it a lot less intimidating. And I think that that's where people run into that mistake. It's like you put someone up on a pedestal and the moment that you put them up on a position that's way higher than you, they can't even connect with you at that level anymore because they're like, you're kind of fanboying or fangirling. But if you can, if you can just genuinely ask and express gratitude, even if they are, ridiculously more successful than you a quote unquote successful, you know, like whatever your definition of success is, it could be societal standards, but once you can kind of get over that mirage in your head, I think it makes it a lot easier. And like I said, that momentum, and that's incredible, that story you just shared, I'm sure that gave you a lot more confidence to ask other people. And obviously you have no issue finding guests now. (laughs) Oh no. And it really, you're right. And I hadn't even thought of it like that. And thank you for, you know, adding that to my, my things to think about, but I never even considered that that started or restarted my momentum because honestly, and I'll tell anybody who will listen, Larry Winget saved my podcast. I was getting ready to just say, heck with this. Mm. Yeah. It's more of it was a hobby at the time. You know, I've got a web development company, a small digital agency. I had clients still do that I need to, you know, take care of. I wasn't making any money, and to be honest, I'm still not, but that's okay. I get to meet. The reason I do it, honestly, is because I get to meet people like you. And people mm-hmm. like you, and almost all of my guests, 99% of them make a lasting impression on me. And if they're making that kind of impression on me, they're making that same kind of impression on my, my audience. Well, thank you. I, it's such a, such a beautiful compliment. I'm, I'm grateful that we get to hang out and I get to share some of this stuff with you today. <laughs> oh, thank you. And you, you actually found me, and this is where you connect. You found me. I got a note from you on LinkedIn, and you were talking about um, – giftology yeah and i had i had in john rulin it i think it was and i had interviewed him right a hundred years ago and i went oh my gosh you went way back in the archives for that but you know what i remember about him he sent me his book you know because everybody who has that comes on this show excuse me a lot i interview a lot of authors and almost all of them send me their book and you know they're in here they're in my office i've got two two huge bookcases and another one on its way. Every book in this room came from my podcast guest. But he sent me, this a hundred years ago, his book in the most beautiful black box. Oh, I yeah. Got that box. <laughs> you can't throw it away. It's, I, it's, I think I, I, got that, I got that too. It's in like this velvet, red velvet like padding. It's like they put the book to sleep before they sent it off. <laughs> so I totally know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, you know, every once that come Christmas, you're looking for boxes, and I'll come across that, and no, nobody's getting that box. It's my box. <laughs> it's like all the Apple boxes that I save for all my laptops and stuff like that. It's like they're too nice of boxes to throw away. <laughs> exactly. And I do the same thing. I mean, I've got my old iPod box. <laughs> I don't even know where the iPod is, but I get that. So, you know, when we do, when we start connecting with people, and I know this is a big part of your, your message and your journey, things will pop up like, you know, John Rulin, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, how did he find that was probably nine or ten years ago, but it's still out there, and it's still valid, and it's still interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I 
because I think what usually I do a lot of research before I bring a guest on the show. So like, I think I, I had searched for John's name and John's been on a bajillion podcast, but I think I saw your podcast as one of the ones that came up when I was researching John. So maybe that's how I found it in the, the old, old archives is <laughs> because it just came up as one of the episodes that he appeared on. But yeah, I, I, I think that when you, that obviously when you have the momentum, like we were talking about before, and you have some mutual guests in common, it makes it a little bit easier too. I can, I'm sure you can attest to the fact that you have 300 episodes and I'm sure it's very common that your guests know each other or that you have those mutual connections. Um, so I guess it's, it's another testament to the momentum that happens once you start building and investing in these relationships. And like you just alluded to, it's like your interview with John was however many years ago and that's still out there. And, but you took the time to build that relationship with him and add value and feature him on your show and all that good stuff. And it's still paying dividends for you today. It does. And you know what? I've noticed that some, um, I'm going to complain a little bit. My podcast, like yours, is everywhere. I mean, we are everywhere. And some will say, oh, I've got 300 episodes. It's closer to 500. But wow. Wow. that doesn't always show up. So just so you know, it's closer to 500. But anyway, you talk about... Now I'm over my little snark here. You talk about the magic connection method, which is something that it's a course or a process. Let's talk about that a bit because, listen, connecting is, for some people, a big problem. Yeah. And for others, yeah. like you or me, we're just like, yeah, let's go do this. <laughs> so, but it's, it's kind of a muscle thing, isn't it? I mean, I didn't start out this way. I had to kind of get over my own self and go, oh, I've got to start asking questions. I need to start meeting 100%. better people. Yeah, so I would love to talk about the Magic Connection Method, and I'll, I'll give this as something that everybody can sit and apply today. Um, but before I do that, I'll explain, a, I'll give a little bit of an example, and I'll ask this really quick. Denise, have you ever heard of the analogy of the antelope and the field mice? No, I don't think I have. Okay, so I'll explain this really quickly. So a, a lion, if it wanted to, it could spend its entire day chasing field mice. And it has the capacity to hunt and capture a field mice. But the problem is, is that if it does capture a field mouse, the caloric value of a field mouse is not enough to like justify the amount of energy that it took to capture that field mouse, especially if the lion is feeding its pride and the other cubs are depending on it, right? So if a lion spends its entire day chasing field mice, it's eventually going to starve. Whereas if a lion spends its time hunting an antelope, uh, if it hunts the antelope, even though it takes a little bit more energy, it's going to sustain the lion and the the entire, uh, uh, you know, all of its cubs and all that kind of stuff. And I, I like that analogy and I don't like that analogy, but it alludes to asking this question. That, and that is, as you're listening to this right now in your business, are you spending your day chasing field mice or are you hunting antelope? And there are so many opportunities where we can, you know, the chasing field mice feels so good. You know, it's like, oh, I hunted it. You know, this is awesome. But like, it's like, is it really moving the needle? And so when it comes to your business, I think one of the best ways that you can think about uh, the high value activities, aka the antelope in your business, is what are those key relationships that would transform uh, your, your business. And those could be clients, it could be potential strategic partners. And so one of the traditional ways that it's been articulated out there, as far as like the highest value activity or the, the, the people you can connect with is this concept called Dream 100. It was pioneered by Chet Holmes in his book called The Ultimate Sales Machine. And the, the strategy is brilliant. And it's essentially how do you find a list of the 100, 100 people that if you had relationships with them would completely transform your business? And I love that component of it. The one component that I don't really like about how the Dream 100 is typically taught is that it's like relentless pursuit of pushing these people until they kind of buy your stuff. And like, maybe that's a little bit harsh in the way I said it, but that's the general vibe I get. It's like, let me find these hundred people and send them direct mail and email them all the time until eventually maybe a few years down the line, I'll build a relationship with these people. And so my philosophy is, yes, let's still find those 100 people that will add a ton of value to you. But instead of like relentlessly pursuing them, like, why don't you just like love on them so much <laughs> that, that eventually you can build those relationships with them and it opens the doors to these incredible relationships. And so it's a long-term approach. It doesn't work for everyone, but I think it, it absolutely puts the mindset of investing in the right relationships over time. So the magic connection method process is what I've developed over the years that has helped me to open the doors and start building these incredibly 
incredible long-term relationships with these people that um, are that, that I want to work with. And the, my philosophy is always, if I can work with them, fantastic. If not, I'm totally cool with that too. And I feel so grateful and blessed that I got to contribute and help support these people in, 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 the, in my life. So I'll, I'll give an example of my first ever person that I connected with that was one of those people that completely transformed my life. And that was Jonathan Levy. So Jonathan Levy has a podcast uh, or had a podcast called Superhuman Academy. There was um, he had a TED talk and over a hundred thousand students in his online courses. And I'm a senior in college and I had worked on a few startup companies that didn't work out too well. I wrote a book and didn't work out too well. And so I'm like my senior year, I'm like, well, why don't I just reach out to this guy and see if I can add value to him. And maybe I can shortcut some years of trial and error if I can learn directly from him. So this is the first ever magic connection method ish email that I ever sent. And it was something along the lines of, and pay attention here because I'll deconstruct what, what's happening here. Uh, and I've refined it over the years. But I'm just saying this off the top of my head. I don't, obviously don't have the email in front of me. But it was something along the lines of, hey, Jonathan, I listened to episode 142 of your podcast with Noah Kagan. And when he talked about validating a product idea in a few days, it completely changed everything. And I implemented it. Thank you so much. Uh, after looking at that episode, I dove a little bit deeper into your site and I found three specific ways that I'd love to help support you, X, Y, Z, detail it out. Um, I would love to do this work for you for free. And if you like my work, then I would love to figure out a way to continue to work, for, uh, work together moving forward. And if not, um, then, then no harm, no foul. You didn't pay anything and, and uh, then we can just part our ways. And so that, that one email actually turned into me running Jonathan's marketing for a period of three years. And I was on the team when we had it we started with about 150,000 students. When I left, we had about 250,000 students, you know, added a several million downloads to the podcast. And again, I'm not, I wasn't the only one responsible for that. Obviously Jonathan was still on the team and like everybody, everybody was on the team, but I was part of that, that movement there. And on top of that, Jonathan got into this really high level group called genius network. Uh, you need to be a seven, eight or nine figure entrepreneur to be in this, this group. Jonathan spent years being an entrepreneur to get in this room and he went to his first meeting was so excited for it. And he calls me from the parking lot and he's like, Hey, Brandon, do you want to come to the next one? <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to come. Heck yeah, I want to come to the next one. And so I'm 22 years old and um, I get the opportunity to go to this, this genius network and, and connect with seven, eight, nine figure entrepreneurs and all these people that some of them have been on my show. Uh, and I was like the youngest person there. And so that, that was one example of one person that completely outside of Brenda, obviously, who I've already mentioned. But the question for you is, is like, who is that person that would have a massive domino effect on, on you and your life? And so I can deconstruct the, 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 the process that I used to reach out to these people and build relationships with them. But I'll just pause for a second in case there's something you wanted to say there, Denise. No, I. I really do want you to deconstruct, but the thing that I was taking, well, I took away two things from that. When you started talking about, you know, people, you know, they just kind of nag you to death. MLM, I am oh, not yeah. a fan. It's like, no, I'm not going to sell you. Nope, stop it. Leave me alone. I get pretty testy about things like that. That is not connecting. That's nagging. So just mm -hmm. so you know, don't ask me to become part of your MLM. But and and I get that some people are really really good at it, but I don't. I'm like you. I don't want to be constantly poked at. I want yeah. to form yeah. that connection. I want to admire who you are and what you do, and occasionally say, "Hey, what you just said in this you know venue or that forum that was brilliant," and I've got it written down on my whiteboard. I mean, one of my my guests recently, um, just not too long ago. Part of what he was saying, he said, you know, when you're trying to focus on things, when you're you know, making decisions, it's either a hell yes or a hell no. That's mm -hmm. on my whiteboard in big old letters. It's that simple. Yes or no. And, you know, just don't, don't nag at people. But the, and the second thing was, and I think I just lost my, um, my train of thought. In fact, I know I did. It's out in the kitchen in the refrigerator taking a break. <laughs> <laughs> my brain just wandered off when I think about it I'll, I'll come back but yes please do deconstruct this yeah and I, 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 I'm being frustrating as a guest right now because I want to say one other thing no, about going no, to the Magic no, Connection Method, I promise. So, so there's this other concept I learned from uh, this guest that's come on my show his name is Steve Sims uh, Steve uh, I know have, you had, have, have you had Steve I, on? Uh, no but I'd love to 
Oh my God! So so Steve is this guy that can make like anything happen. <laughs> He's the, he literally got people married by his client. So he had a VIP concierge service where he um, could like make anything happen for his VIP clients. So, thing, examples include getting some of his clients married by the Pope in the Vatican, <laughs> um, shutting down the academia in Florence so that his clients got a private dinner in front of. Uh, David's Michelangelo and then had Andrea Bocelli come and serenade them. He sent people down to the Titanic. He's gotten people to watch uh, Formula One racing with, with royalty. And, and one of the, the biggest things that stuck with me from that entire interview is Steve actually got his start as a bouncer in nightclubs. And what he realized is that he could prevent 99% of the fights happening from the clubs by controlling his front door, meaning if he saw somebody that was a little bit like rambunctious, if he just didn't let them in the club to begin with, uh, he was able to solve for 99% of the problems. And so the question for you listening as well, it's like, you have a front door as well. Like if you're letting in the wrong clients into your world, if you're letting in the wrong relationships, it, it's, it's, it's creating all these issues. So part of it too, it's like the, the magic connection method process. Yes, it's, it, you have to think a lot about investing in these people, but it's a way of controlling your front door and being very intentional about the kind of people that you want to invest in. Um, so I just wanted to kind of add that a little bit and hopefully another thing for people to think about. But I'll dive into the magic connection method process. So there's three steps to this. And um, this is designed to be somebody that you really admire, that you want to reach out to and build a relationship with. It is significantly easier if you've done the work like Denise and you have a podcast and you have a way that you can add value to these people. Um, but I will, I'll walk you through the whole thing. So there's three steps. The first step is the compliment. The second step is the irresistible offer. And the third step is the no-oriented question. And I'll walk you through each step with examples, and then I'll summarize. So if you're taking notes, and I'll, I'll give you a, a checklist at the end if you're interested in it, or if that's okay with you, Denise, but um, I'll walk you through this stuff. So the first step is the compliment. I guarantee you listening right now, and you, Denise, you, you can open up your LinkedIn profile. You can open up your email inbox right now. And I guarantee there is somebody that has sent you a message within the past week or so that just copied and pasted something or they, they didn't take the time to like really get to know you. And like the, the number one mistake that people make when they reach out is they try to make it about them. They try to like, it, it kind of makes sense that you would think that you need to position yourself as somebody that's cool and worth talking to. But at the, at, like, at the end of the day, nobody really cares until they know how much you care about them. So you want to do the exact opposite of what's happening inside of those LinkedIn messages right now. Um, and, and you want to take the time to actually get to know this person. And the way you can do that is using something that I call the loved plus specific formula. So basically, you, you want to you write a compliment uh, and take the time to actually research them. And the, the, the way you pass this test is if you can copy and paste this to somebody else and have it apply, it's not specific enough. So if I were reaching out to Denise, and I'm sure I might have done this, Denise, when I reached out to you, it's like, hey, Denise, I, I came across your podcast, listened to episode 47, and obviously, probably not 47 for you, probably like 397 or something for, for Denise, not that low, uh, but listen to episode 397 with this guest, and I loved when they talked about XYZ. Thank you so much for sharing that. It really made my day, something like that. There is no way that I could ever copy and paste that to anyone else except for Denise. I took the time to care about her and do the research on her to show that, show that I, I cared. So that's the first step is writing a genuine compliment. You can follow the love specific. So loved XYZ specifically this, right? So that's the first part is now they know they care about you. The second step is the irresistible offer. So now you have to put yourself on the perspective of the other person. What is it that they value? What is it that, that they are, are looking for support with? And this isn't, this isn't, pushing your product or service on them. Like, yeah, you could service them with their product and service, but like really uh, thinking about it from the, like when I was reaching out to Jonathan Levin, that was Jonathan Levy. That was my first ever irresistible offer is like, I came up with all these different things that I want to add value to you and I want to do it for free. That's a pretty irresistible offer. Obviously you listening to this right now, you don't have time to do free work for everyone, but if you do the work, like Denise has done, and you have a platform that you can help support these people, um, that could be a, a great way to develop the relationship. Or in my case, I think when I reached out to Denise, it's like I was thinking about from a podcaster's perspective, what does a podcaster want? And I know this from being a podcaster myself, it's like the podcaster wants valuable content for the audience that's listening, right? Like Denise cares about you 
and, and, and what you value. And she's very careful about the kind of people that she brings on the show. And she wants to know that it's going to add value. Right. Um, she also knows that she's always looking for incredible guests on the show. Right. And so, so uh, when I, when I could reach out to a, a podcast, I was like, Denise, I might say something like, uh, Hey, Denise, I, 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 uh, or like here, here, I came up with three specific topics that I think would be super valuable for your audience. And I put it together in a Google Doc. Plus, I feel so grateful to have interviewed, interviewed some high-level people. And I'm always, to make, always happy to make some connections that would make sense if they're, if they're a good potential guest. So, like, obviously, I, I, I don't remember the exact email that I had sent Denise. But it's something along those lines. It's like, what, what is Denise value? She wants great guests. She wants good content. Um, and so I, I, put it together, I put it together three ideas that I think would be relevant for your audience in a Google Doc. Right? So that's a little bit of the, the irresistible offer. And then the last part is the no oriented question. So I learned this from Chris Voss uh, I, I, from his book. I haven't had a chance. Well, I met Chris very, very briefly, but not, not, he hasn't been on my show. I don't really know him that well, but he teaches this concept called the no oriented question. So Chris is an ex FBI hostage negotiator. He's the dude that it was on the phone with a lunatic in that that's in the basement of a bank that's about to blow up the whole place. What do you say to that person that's about to just, go crazy. And one of the things he talks about is this concept called the no oriented question. And the way he explains it is that basically every single day we have a finite amount of yeses that we can give, right? Like every single time you say yes, you're giving away your time, your energy, your effort, something. But on the opposite side of that, saying no makes you feel secure. It makes you feel safe. Um, and it makes it very easy to say, to say no to something. So uh, an example of a no oriented question would be something like, uh, like using the example from before about the Google Doc, 100% up to you, but would you be opposed to me sending over the Google Doc for you to check out? And at that point, it's like, it, it, it makes it a lot easier to open the doors to those conversations. So backing up and, and going through the whole thing, um, like you, you took the time to compliment, you took the time to get to know them and what they're valuing and, 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 and take the time to do a genuine, write them a genuine compliment. You thought about something that would be super positive and valuable for them. And you crafted a, an irresistible offer. And then at the end, you, you simply ask them 100% up to you, would you be opposed to me sending over that, to that, that next step to check it out? Um, and so it's, instead of shoving it in their face, it, it, it is really truly like saying, hey, I, I love you. I love what you're up to. Here's something I can add value. And it's totally up to you. But do you want a little bit more information on it? Not like, let me book you on the show or let me do all this kind of stuff. You're putting it in their, their lap to lean in. And so the same, I'll say one more example, um, and, then, and then we can go and we can deconstruct this whole thing with you, Denise. But like if I were reaching out to a guest on my show, um, I might come across their book, and I've read the book, and I might leave a review on the, on the book and take a screenshot of it. And I, I usually, I know, Denise, you're not a huge fan of taking pictures, but I'll usually take a picture of myself holding their cover of their book, and I'll, I'll put that with the review that I left on their book. And I'm, this might be an email and say, hey, um, uh, Mark read your book the other day and specifically loved the point in chapter 13 where you talked about X, Y, Z. Thank you so much. And then I'll put the screenshot of the review and the picture. And then I say, um, you know, uh, because your, your content is so incredible, I wanted to reach out to see if you'd be interested in coming on my podcast. In short, uh, it, the podcast became a top 2% podcast in less than a year. I feel super blessed to say I've interviewed X, Y, Z. I'm always super happy to make connections that make sense. Um, and I, I also am grateful to say that I, I, or I, I, I am known for the amount of research and energy and effort that I put into my show. Um, I 100% up to you, but would you be opposed to me sending you over next steps to feature you on the show? So that would be another example of it. So there's a, there's a, few, <laughs> a few examples and the whole process there, but we can deconstruct as much as you want there, Denise. See, that's brilliant. And and I'll just tell the audience at large, when I got that first message on LinkedIn, and I get a lot of junk messages, like, really? I, I'm going to tell you right now, I will never need a facelift. I read some of these things and go, you don't even know who you're talking to. My eye... My eyebrows hit my hairline. I look permanently surprised, like I had a bad facelift. And my thinking is, what the hell are you thinking? Did you do you even know who I am? Do you know what you're yeah, asking? Yeah. You know, it's just garbage. And the thing with that is, you know, once you leave that first kind of icky impression, it's hard to overcome. It really is. Yeah. So those yeah. first 10 words basically really make a difference. But what I was going to say is when, when you connected with me on LinkedIn, it was already a yes from the first two sentences. It's like, oh, heck yeah. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, heck yeah. 
Well, thank you. Yeah, and, and can I share something embarrassing, Denise? I, I don't know if I was going to say this, but uh, can I share something embarrassing on the show here? <laughs> if you want to. So I violated my own rule recently. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why the heck I, I thought this would be smart to do, but for some reason I was working on a project. I'm, I was trying to validate this new idea I was working on, and I didn't, I didn't customize my, my, my email with that compliment. <laughs> and, and man, as soon as I, 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 like, I don't know what short circuited in my brain to think that that was okay. But I literally t- told my wife yesterday, I'm like, I'm so mad at myself for sending that message because I ended up doing exactly the opposite of everything that I teach. But for some reason I thought it was okay <laughs> because I was just trying to validate an idea. I wasn't trying to bring them on my show or reach out to their show. And I, I sent that and I was so mad at myself. And I realized, I'm like, oh my God. So I think that it's just like, it is the exact, um, it, it is it's just if you're going to invest in a relationship, you do have to take the time to get to know someone. And um, my mistake that I made the other day was the final like period in, in, in anything. It's like if, if you're going to reach out to someone, you cannot reach out to them unless you're taking the time to do like actually honor them and what they're doing. And you can't expect that they would contribute or help support you if you haven't taken the time to do that. So uh, there's my in, in, embarrassing admission, Denise, that I, I didn't follow my own rule the other day and I got so mad at myself. But uh, yeah, it's just you, you really do need to take the time to care about the, these people. And if you get lost in that sea, it's like it's like people people never like these, there's these terrible drivers all over the place. Right. Like terrible drivers. But you don't realize that every once in a while you're one of those terrible drivers. Right. <laughs> there's no way that you're not one of those terrible drivers at some point in your life. Right. But everybody else is a terrible driver. And it's like it's the same thing online. There's so many people that think it's okay to stand on top of a coffee table with a microphone and just shout at people uh, when, when you have to like really take the time to get to know someone. I interviewed a former FBI hostage negotiator, not Chris Voss. Uh, he was a trainer and his, um, uh, and, and he talks about this thing called um, tactical empathy and, and people need to feel felt like people really need to feel felt. And that happens. And he's one of the top leaders in suicide prevention as well. And uh, like, that's like what he really does to help prevent suicides and talk people off a ledge to crazy things and hostage negotiation. It's like, no matter how crazy these people are, they just need to feel felt. And I think that's just part of the human experience is that even if you're writing something to someone or you're connecting with someone, uh, you do need to take the time to make them feel like they're actually heard and listened to. You do. And I think that's a huge mistake that people are making right now because it is easy to get behind your keyboard and just kind of whip it out and go, here you go. That was brilliant. Now I'm going to wait for the invitation or the yes or the, and then you realize later that, ah, like you yeah. did. Yeah. Oh, I, I forgot you, something. I, I'll say too, like you, obviously following up is part of the game as well. But like when you do this right, I my response rates to emails, I've seen it as high as 80 or 90%. Like like 80 or 90% of the people that I reach out to will respond if you take the time to follow this kind of a format, um, which – I mean, if you're familiar with any form of email outreach or whatever, like mm-hmm. j- just for example, like I told you, I, I, I will, again, I'll continue with my embarrassing ad- ad- admission. I sent the, that one email to like 20 people the other day and I had one person respond. It was a positive response. He, he helped me out. But like that was a 2.5% response rate or something like that. Or maybe my math wasn't wrong, but like one person responded. Like normally if I reach out to people, it's like an 80 or 90% response rate. Um, so like that's what you can kind of expect when you take the time to reach out to these kinds of people. And honestly, people go, oh, I don't have time. I don't have to. My VA is doing that or, you know, my PR people are doing that. That's not a good idea. Yeah. I I firmly believe, and it is time consuming. It really is. But I firmly believe in the personal touch. If I'm going to be speaking with you or asking something of you or wanting you to do something for me that I think will benefit both of us, I better be on top of it, meaning that I'm offering something valuable to you, mm-hmm. and that is my attention and my understanding of who you are and what you do. Absolutely. You cannot, you can't delegate that. I'm just going to tell you right now, you cannot delegate it. You have to do it yourself. Yeah, and obviously you have, to, you have to do the work ahead of time to realize that, like, obviously if you're trying to build a business around I don't know, like, like reserve that obviously, yes, it is time consuming, but if you do it for the right people, like that's really where it starts to pay off, right? Like if you're going to, I mean, obviously there's some stuff you can't tell online, but like if somebody's just a taker and is just going to abuse like you and your work, obviously you can't continue to give to that person after you found that out. But if you going back to controlling your front door, 
like that's one of the things that's so brilliant about having a podcast is because yeah, you can reach out to them. They, they're awesome online and then you build a relationship with them and you get to find out a little bit more about them. And if you want to continue the relationship, that's awesome. But um, that, I, I guess, I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way, Denise, but uh, the podcast is another front door for your business where you get to build relationships with people, get a feel for them and obviously figure out if you want to continue investing in that relationship or not. Oh, absolutely. Listen, over the years, I've found clients from my podcast because I always do this and you probably do as well. After the podcast is over and, you know, we run to the bathroom, get a bottle of water, let's talk out, you know that. Yeah, yeah. We've we've been talking for an hour. But I always make it a point because, you know, the conversation like the one we're having was so brilliant that you – you may still have more to share. I may need to invite you to come back. I mean, there's a lot of reasons. And a lot of times the real magic happens during that conversation that nobody hears but us. And mm-hmm. look, I get Christmas cards from, I get gifts from guests who have been around forever and ever. Ben Gay the third, who is known as a, I had a bunch of Godwinks this past week, I'm telling you. And he was one of them. And it's, you know, I was just told, contact Ben Gay. It's been a while since he's been on, but if you don't know anything about Ben Gay III, he's known as a living sales legend. Seriously. Mm. He was mentored by Napoleon Hill. Oh, wow. Last person that Napoleon Hill mentored for two and a half years before he passed away. He hired Zig Ziglar. He hired Paul Harvey. He's got amazing stories, and he's honestly, in my opinion, one of the best people on the planet. And I, you know, I picked up the phone and I called him and I said, Ben, I've got an idea and this is what I'm thinking. And he didn't even wait for me to finish. He said, whatever it is, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. Those are the relationships that you want to create and nurture. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And the thing about podcasting is, and I've mentioned this, I am truly a highly committed introvert. I'm not shy. I think you figured that out. <laughs> but I need to be left alone. I like to be alone. I've got a interesting brain, and I like to live in it. But the thing is, I get to meet, and I'm so enchanted with my podcast guests because, I mean, these people, you, all of y'all are just brilliant. And I pick up something new or several somethings new with every conversation without yeah them. well that's one of the things i admire you about you denise and i'm the same way about my show it's like you are willing to be the student and you're willing to be the the learner in every situation you know and i think that that's one of the things that really pays off as you you know as on a podcasting journey but um i just love that example of reaching out to ben gay and he was like yes absolutely and i think that not to uh, beat the podcasting topic. Obviously, we can talk more about this. And you, you were mentioning about some of the the things I've done with my show. One of the things I've realized is that I. So one of the people I had on my show was uh, Hollywood storytelling legend Michael Haig, and uh, he he consulted on I Am Legend with Will Smith and works with Will Smith and stuff like that. But in his book, he talks about there's like four main ways that Hollywood starts a movie or something like that. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's so interesting. And I took that and I applied it to podcasting. And so the way I, way I think about my show and, and usually I spend a lot of time thinking about the first question that I ask, because think about it from, from, you know, we talked about first impressions, right? Like when you're reaching out to someone, that's your first impression. But like when you reach, when you start a show, that is also your audience's first impression of the person they're listening to. It is the, uh, guests' first impression of the type of interview that they're going to have. So if you're going to do an 80-20 analysis on like one of the most important components of your interview, I would say focus on the first question. But uh, uh, so going back to kind of building those relationships and what you were saying about Ben Gay, it's like the, the more you can do your research to ask a question that will really show that you, you care about this human, again, like just like that first initial compliment that you reach out to, um, the more that you can ask to be, be uh, intentional about what you're asking, the, the better of a response I've, I've been able to get. And so like the person that I interviewed this week, it's just, it's just on top of my head is uh, Pia Silva. And she's a, a, a incredible branding, like she, one of the world-class uh, people that creates brand brands that, that really go viral and are unapologetic about what they do and all that kind of stuff. But uh, the first question I asked her this week was, was uh, I basically dropped her in a story. I'm like, it's New York. It's October, 2008. And you head to a bar and you, you lock eyes with someone across the room, what happens next? 
And so like what I did there is I dropped everyone inside of a story and they don't know what's going to happen next. And now you want to know what happens next. And uh, Pia knows also that I've done my research because that was when she met her husband uh, was when she walked into a bar and met her husband. And so she gets to tell that story about connecting with her husband for the first time in that relationship. And uh, I just had some really fun, fun ones. Actually, I'll give one more example. Like I had the, the episode that came out this week on my show, Mo Gaudat. Oh my God. I think it's probably my favorite episode I've ever done, but he was the former chief business officer of Google X. Uh, and he really tragically lost his son uh, to uh, a surge- surgery accident. And he uh, ended up writing this book called Solve for Happy that where his mission is to create 1 billion people happy on this, on this earth as a tribute to losing his son and helping people be more happy. But anyways, the first question I asked him, I found out that his most prized possession was a unopened container of lip balm. Um, and so I, that's, if you go listen to that interview, Oh my God, like his, his reaction to that first question was, wow, you dive right in. And that was probably the most gripping opening to a podcast I've ever had because he tells the story about how when his son was alive, he was out to breakfast with his son. And but right as they ordered, his son just said, his son, his son, his name is Ali. He's like, just a second, I have to go. I have to go. And him and his family are sitting inside and they're near a window and they see Ali outside and he approaches a homeless person and sits down next to her and is talking to her and making her feel like a human. And they're just kind of observing and just having this conversation. And then Ali stands up, uh, gives her some money and walks away. <clears throat> And the, the homeless person runs up to him and taps him on the shoulder and, and, and gives him a, a, a big hug and scrambles inside of her, her bag and gives him an unopened container of lip balm. Lip balm. And, oh. and, and, and Moe's Mo's impression of that was that this was like one of her most prized possessions. It was something that she was saving for a day where one day she would get to open that, ba- that, that lip balm container. And so um, Ali kept that unopened container of lip balm because it was, it was very special to him. And when Ali passed, that possession became Mo's most prized possession. So that was the first question I asked. And that was the very first story you heard is when I told, it was the first question I asked was like, Mo, I would love to start by explaining why your most prized possession is an unopened container of lip balm. And like, he went right into that story and, oh my God, it's so, so good. Uh, But like, when you take the time to do that research and you set up those questions. Um, that's really what I found builds relationships with the audience and the guest, and also with you, with the guest as well, when you can show that you've done that level of research and that you can ask those kinds of questions. So I don't know how the heck I ended up there, but that's just something that I found. And I, I'll, I'll say this one last thing in conclusion for you. If you don't have a show, if you're not asking these interview questions, just think about it from that perspective, though. It's like the more that you can, you can find those gems, and Denise is so good at this as a podcast host, but it's like the more that you can – someone said, oh, that was interesting, and you can dig deeper, and obviously you're not going to do research on this random person you met <laughs> that you're hanging out with, but like when you can find that topic that they're so passionate about, those stories that they love, you, don't, you can be the world's most interesting person, and they don't know anything about you if all you do is figure out how to ask them those kinds of questions. So um, – Long, there's something applicable that you listening can apply, but also something that I found has helped a lot in my podcasting journey is figuring out those first questions that really unlock uh, humanity and beauty in the world. And not just for podcasting. You should be treating people like this no matter what you're doing. If you're talking to the la- a lady in the grocery store, if you're yeah. trying to you know, have some kind of a business connection. And you mentioned empathy earlier, and I think that's a big, big part of what we do. I've actually had people on this podcast say, oh, my God, I have never been asked or answered that question ever. Where did you pull that from? And I'll tell you right now, I'm listening in between the lines. I'm listening very intently to everything my guests have to say. Yeah. And you have to be, I mean, obviously you've refined that over 500 episodes, but you have to be a little (laughs) bit of a detective. You do have to be a detective. And obviously as, as you're doing this on every single week you get, you get better at it. But like, there's those subtle tells that I'm sure Denise, you've started to realize it's like that quiver in the voice or like a a very strong word that they use to describe something. And it's being willing to say, Hey, you said the word lonely when you described that, would you mind telling me a little bit more about what you meant when you said lonely? And then you get to hit at that chord, but you can't, you have to be able to have that, that, like you said, empathy and be able to really, note when there is something that's there that they didn't quite explain, but you can tell that if you go deeper, it's going to unlock something awesome. Exactly. And this is about where I tell people, just 
sit down, shut up, and listen, which is kind of rude. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. As, as a podcast host, you need to just stop talking and listen and don't ask the, the rote questions. There's nothing more annoying. There's nothing more annoying to me. I'll stop listening. I just I have to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's such a skill, but um, when when you when you it's one of those what I would call a first principle skill. It's like it's one of those things where if you focus on listening as as a core foundational uh, skill set that you have, it creates exponential value in all other areas of your life. Um, so I mean, it's a concept that comes from physics, I think, and I'm I'm not <laughs> I'm not a scientific person. I actually heard Elon Musk talk about it, but like whenever he designs stuff. I heard an interview where he's like, I always start by first principles. Like, what are the core elements that you know to be true? And then how can you build up from there? Because if you're reasoning by analogy and building off of other people's thinking, you're never really going to solve the heart of the problem. Whereas if you build from first principles, you can create true innovation. And I think that listening is one of those, what I would call a first principle skill set, along with uh, communication and writing. It's the things that get glazed over in society that if you double down on them as a first principle skill set, it creates exponential value in multiple areas of your life. Oh, no kidding. And you don't know you have this until you actually get out there and do it. Listen, it never occurred to me that I was a creative, and I am. I mean, I can build websites literally in my sleep. I can, I'll be talking with a client, and I've got that website built. I know what the colors are. I know what the navigation is. I know what the CTA, the call to action is, before they've hired me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, find those skills and use them and be very, very happy that you have them. And my podcast is, it's so important to me. You have no idea. I mean, this is Mondays and Fridays. I mean, I always wake up and hit the floor running and the devil says, oh, crap, she's awake. Mondays <laughs> and Fridays, it's really, I'm awake because I'm ready. I'm ready to get to meet people like you. And you know what? I don't think we've covered as much as we need to, two things. Can you come back at another time and we'll go deeper into podcasting if you would? Or I whatever would you want to talk Oh, good. See, I did it on the radio. You can't tell me no. It's very sneaky. <laughs> and, and the other thing is you talk a lot, and we can talk about this the next time we talk about but you talk about the most, you know, the, the most effective solutions to solve the world's biggest problems is to create a movement of people dedicated to pursuing self-expansion. I definitely want to dig into self-expansion without mm. doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, maybe I'll kind of end on that note. Maybe we'll leave it as a cliffhanger. And I think my, my, uh, my personal definition of what self-expansion to me has evolved, maybe even since that, like I sent that over to you, but like I've done a lot of work over the past few months uh, because of some stuff that's happened to kind of go back, like what do I really want to create in the world? And I truly believe that to the best of my knowledge right now, that my mission is to create a more deeply connected world. And when I say connection, I mean connection in every sense of the word. I mean connecting with other people. I mean connecting deeper with yourself. I mean connecting people with other resources. And so that is my passion. I think I'm doing that already. But it just so happens that podcasting is the biggest expansion, the highest leveraged ability to be a connector. Because not only do I get to spend time with incredible people like Denise, uh, but I also can, can, can talk to people like you listening right now and, and hopefully share something that'll be super valuable. So I just, I know we're coming up on time, but I just want to say, Denise, how grateful I am for you and the contributions that you're making and the care that you put into these and the care that you put into your audience. Because at the end of the day, I think that connection is again, one of those first principle skill sets that you will create a ripple of positive impact inside of the world. If someone takes this and just takes a little bit more time to be more thoughtful in their outreach, or takes a little bit more time to be grateful for the person that checked them out of the grocery store today. Uh, it seems small, but those are the things that we're really craving for in the world that we're kind of becoming disconnected from. That is beautiful. And I know what I wanted to ask you, Brandon, while you were talking, I was scribbling down names. I have over the years, you know, talked with a lot, a lot of people. And I've got some names for you as podcast mm. guests, if you'd like for me to share them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, maybe we can okay. connect. Out. I think we got a lot to talk about after the recording is done. We do. Denise. <laughs> I've been writing down names like crazy. But I wanted to get your permission to, you know, before I stop bombard, start bombarding you with, oh, you got to talk with this guy. That would be rude, and I don't want to do that. Anyway, Brandon, thank you so much for being my guest. This has been fascinating. And thank you for 
honestly, all of the wonderful compliments. I'm feeling very warm and fuzzy right now, and I'm not joking. <laughs> I really am. So before I let you go, where can people find you? Yeah. Well, uh, I, I know you've asked me a few questions on the radio. I should have asked ahead of time, Denise, but would it be okay if I gave uh, something uh, like a gift to your audience to help apply some of the stuff? If not, that's totally cool too. No, please do so. Okay. So the magic connection method process, I put together a checklist where whenever you're sending about to send a message, you can just kind of have this pulled up and make sure that you're hitting those beats. Cause I know I talk fast <laughs> and I know I covered a lot. Uh, but if you, if you text uh, the word checklist to eight, four, four, Six six nine nine seven three four. That's the word checklist to eight four four six six nine nine seven three four. My little automation there will send you the next steps to grab a little PDF that will allow you to kind of unlock some of those relationships and make sure that you're doing it the right way. Thank you. And your podcast, where do they find that? Yeah, so wherever wherever this is in your earlobes right now, <laughs> you can you can and I realize this is the mistake of my my podcast naming is people can't spell the word millennials and it starts with a number seven not spelled out. <laughs> so uh, some some spelling bee here and it's the number seven figure millennials M I L L E N N I L S and as you described before, I'm on a mission to inspire people to prioritize their happiness, health, and relationships as they make their entrepreneurial dreams a reality. I say this not. Um, emphasizing this, not as the guru on top of the mountain. I am just like Denise. I, I, I wake up on my Tuesday mornings and just I'm so grateful to connect with these people and share their stories. I'm still building my first seven-figure business as we speak right now, and I'm doing it the right way by interviewing and learning from incredible people and sharing the, the journeys that they have on there. So if you're interested in coming in on the ride um, and, and, and learning from, from my journey as I kind of share what's going on, then I would love to have you. I'd be honored to have you listen in on some of the guests. And I think some of the, the, the guests I mentioned today might be good first steps for you guys to go and explore. Oh, I've been listening like crazy. Yeah, and <laughs> I've got questions. Anyway, Brandon, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate you coming on, and I really appreciate you being willing to come back. So before I let you go, I would like to tell the audience to be sure to look for us everywhere that you can find wherever you download your podcast. We're everywhere. You can't throw a stick on the Internet without hitting me or Brandon, either one of our, our podcasts. And we're, we're out there, and we're loud and proud, so find us. <laughs> And listen, so Brandon, thank you so much, and I really appreciate everything you shared today, and I look forward to doing it again. Yeah, thank you, Denise. Ready for round two. Me too. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. 